there's nothing else I can say about it. I just find it amazing. Also, that uh, ziggurats sounds like a little Debbie snack. <laughs> you and, may not want to eat it. And my dad mm-hmm. used to call me Nimrod. Now I know why. Now oh. you know why. <laughs> I always wondered where the word Nimrod came from. That's, That's it. it. There you go. Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. I hope he's wearing pants this week. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. If everyone were to come together as one, would the world be a better place? Probably not. At least according to our final study in this opening season of Genesis 1 through 11. One question people often ask is where did the various races and languages come from? Basically, they root back to what is referred to as the Table of Nations in Genesis chapter 11. Mostly what is covered are the descendants of Noah's three sons with some editorial comments along the way. We are told that Noah's son Ham had a son named Cush, who had a son named Nimrod. The name Nimrod means, let us rebel. This is Ham's legacy we discussed in the previous podcast. Nimrod was the tyrant behind the city of Babel. As people made in the image of God, they could come together to do great good or great evil. They chose evil. Many have heard of the Tower of Babel, but misunderstand what it was. It was not really an attempt to build a tower tall enough to get to heaven. Rather, it was a monument to their own greatness, referred to as a ziggurat. The text specifically says it was an attempt to make a name for themselves. This has been a major storyline in Genesis 1 through 11. People made in the image of God determined to be their own gods and live life on their terms. We've referred to this as the way of Cain. People determined to build their own ziggurats to make a name for themselves. Of course, this continues today as people try to use money or stuff or fame or power or position to build monuments to themselves. The texts tell us that God came down to see this great tower they were building. Think about this. The God who created the universe is observing this insignificant little tower built by people who think they are now gods. God's conclusion was that if people speak one language and come together as one people, it will not be for good, but for evil. Like before the flood, things will only get worse and worse. So he confused their language to drive them apart. People could not understand each other, which caused enough confusion that people divided out and relocated according to their languages, which then became nations. This then is the basis for the table of nations recorded in Genesis 11. 
according to the Bible, the one who will bring all the nations back together one day is the one promised in Genesis 3.15 and pictured in the Ark of Noah. The New Testament book of Revelation says that Jesus will bring together people from every tribe and tongue and nation around the throne of God to worship him. So these are the two paths that define the story of Genesis 1 through 11. One path is the way which represents those who surrender to God and worship him. This is the path of Abel and Seth and Noah. The other path represents those who are determined to be their own gods and to live life on their own terms. This is the way of Cain and Lamech and those who perished in the flood and those who built the tower. In the New Testament, Jesus talked about two paths, a path that leads to destruction and a path that leads to life. Every one of us is traveling on one path or the other. To travel God's path, I must surrender to God and receive the salvation he has provided through Jesus, pictured in Genesis by the Ark of Noah. Or I can stubbornly insist on being my own God and travel the way of Cain. I can choose to worship God, or I can spend my life trying to be my own God and build my own ziggurat to show people how great I am. One path leads to life, the other to destruction. Let's bring in Dan and Nat, and let's talk about this. So I remember as a kid, growing up in church, and seeing this story illustrated on the flannel graph. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the story was always they were building a tower all the way to God. Mm -hmm. Like you could make it high enough, you just jump off and you're in heaven. But obviously that's not what it is. And what it is is something that's very common today. Hmm. Very true. Yeah. It's one of those stories that I, I, as I got older, I was like, that's that's quite the story. And uh, you think about it, it is the perfect picture of our battle today. Even as Christians, isn't it fascinating when we know who God is, we've said, I trust you, but man, I can turn my back and start building and putting another brick down. It's so easy. I don't know, Dan, what do you think about that? I just think that it's amazing how it all ties together. I mean, when you read and actually want to understand the Bible, I just think like the Old Testament where Jesus talks about, you know, there's two paths. And we're talking about Genesis 1 through 11. There's that path. There's that one worldview. And then there's the other worldview. I mean, I just find it so unbelievably crazy how it just all ties together. Hmm. You know, the Bible written to all those years ago by all those authors from different generations, hmm. and it all, with none of the common way to communicate that you have now, hmm. you know, and it just all falls together like a puzzle. Hmm. And I just find that amazing. I mean, there's really nothing more to say about it. There's two paths. What path do you want? Hmm. God and the Bible has shown you 
which path you should take, mm. basically telling you which path to take. Right. And showing you what happens if you don't take this other path. And just the fact that it all ties together in the Old Testament is prophetic with Jesus coming in the New Testament. I don't I don't know how you can not look at that and go, well, I think I want to take uh, the Genesis 111 path mm. <laughs> because that's, uh, that's the true path when you read the Bible. I mean, that's... There's nothing else I can say about it. I just find it amazing. Also, that uh, ziggurats sounds like a little Debbie snack. <laughs> we and, may not uh, want to eat it. And my mm-hmm. dad used to call me Nimrod. Now I know why. Now oh. you know why. <laughs> I always wondered where the word Nimrod came from. That's, That's it. That's it. There you go. Yeah, we had a cat named Nimrod, which is a perfect name for a cat because they are their own little gods. They don't care what you do, what yeah. you say. They mm. will do what they want. I'm curious, so Brian, from your perspective, as I as I read the story again, and I've read it many times, I remember coming to a point as an adult that there were no more flannel graphs, and mm. I remember going, "Is this real?" <laughs> like there are those moments in the Bible, you just go, "That's a real unique story," and I know there's a lot of people out there today who go, "That's just a clever way of explaining how we got you know all these different nations and races and things like that." But so I'm thinking about for the people who are listening today, who they're 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 at a cross crossroads right now, and they go, you know what? I realize that my path I'm on right now is not working out, and I hear that there's a solution in Jesus Christ, but I don't know if I can believe everything in the Bible. What would you say to those people who are at that who are at that teetering point, but they're struggling? What would you say just to basically them today? because they find the stories to be so outrageous? Yeah, some of those because some are like, "Wow, that's really hard." I know, I know what I think. I would say I'm just curious though for your perspective. Well, there are a couple things. One is there are lots of resources mm-hmm. that help people wrestle with those questions. Mm-hmm. So if you're serious about that, mm-hmm. the information is out there. But I think also God wants to be known. He wants to be found. Mm. And uh, if you're willing to truly open up your heart and seek him, I think God opens up his word and helps helps us work through some of those questions. Hmm. So in this particular story, there are experts today that look at lineage and ethnicity and races, and they are blown away by the accuracy of the table of nations in the book of Genesis, hmm. which just gives credibility, that this isn't just a made-up story, Mm -hmm. but actually rings true. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not that hard to get some of this information that helps answer our questions. Which rings true when they say the more the people try to disprove the Bible through archaeology, the more they end up proving Hmm. the existence of these things. Yeah, there's so much evidence out there, and I think that's really helpful. The other thing I would um, encourage people, and and if you disagree, feel free to push back, either of you, Um, but it all hinges on Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Just like our behavior, God's not asking us to clean up our act before we come to Christ. He's asking us to come as we are, broken and repentant, but there's nothing we can do to add anything to the equation of salvation. I would encourage you, if you're on that teetering point where you go, this is intriguing. Jesus 
he holds something for me, but I don't necessarily buy into everything else, I would encourage you to start with Jesus. As Brian said, open up your heart. Open up, open yourself up to the possibility and allow Christ to change you and to rescue you. And then those pieces begin to come in, in, into that puzzle, as you described, Dan. But you don't have to have it all figured out, and you don't have to sign off on every box, in my opinion, in order to come to saving faith. Rather, it comes down to a brokenness and a neediness for Christ. Is that? Yeah, I think that's a great answer, and I think that's really true. If you were to ask me what's my number one reason why I believe the Bible is true, I would say it's because I have a personal relationship with the author. Mm. Now, that's not going to win points in a public debate, but that's not what you asked me. Mm -hmm. But because I have a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, his Holy Spirit confirms in our hearts what is true. Mm. And and I do believe that. Mm -hmm. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's it. (laughs) I mean, basically. Yeah. But but also— do trust the Bible because it's, in fact, trustworthy. As you said, there's so much good evidence out there today that proves that what the Bible has said is, in fact, accurate. Sure. It's held up to uh, all this scrutiny for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. I, I doubt any of our listeners are going to come up with some question that's going to change all that. Hmm. It's just a matter of pursuing the truth honestly, genuinely, And I do think God will meet you there and open up your eyes and provide necessary resources to help with that. Yeah, and I think that some people just don't want it to be true. Oh, I think that's true. So it doesn't matter how much evidence there is. They just don't want it to be true. Right. Yeah, because they want to be their own God. They're unwilling to let go of that. Just what we're Mm -hmm. talking about. Now, can I put you on the spot, Dan, and ask you a personal question about this going off the path? Because you were a prodigal child for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, raised in a Christian household, believed in Jesus, but yet for a time you lived for yourself. You were on the wrong path as far as how you lived. There are people listening today who are in the same boat. I mean, I've shared that story. Right. What would you say to them today as they're looking to get back on track? What, what, What did you do and what can they do today? Well, I found that uh, fame and, and money and while, while that's fun and it's, all, you know, it's not satisfying, hmm. you know, and it causes a, a lot of problems. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing and it creates more problems. And then you feel an emptiness. You just feel like, man, it's just that thing I bought was pretty cool. Now that's worn out. Well, let me, you know, you, then you start buying stuff to make you happy. You're like, oh, I finally had this. Mm. Then you go move on to something else. When I come to the realization, finally, you know what? I'm not engaged in the Bible at all. Mm. I need to get back to what Jesus wants me to do. Hmm. And once I started getting back to what Jesus wanted me to do and reading the Bible and filling my soul with good food, uh, God started letting you see things that you probably, you're going, you're realizing now, wow, this is a total dead end. Hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. and you start getting sanctified from the inside out and you start growing. And there's things that, like I've always said before, like when I look at my comedy stuff from back in the day, I would never, ever write a joke like that again, mm-hmm. ever, because mm-hmm. it's not right. God, it's not pleasing. Um, and I get convicted when I write jokes now. It's like, man, I've got 15, 16 jokes that I'm like, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what, though? I don't think I'm, I, I shouldn't do those. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do those. That's, that's, not, that's not a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. I would have never thought about ever doing that before if I didn't stay close to Jesus. And then when I come to the realization I didn't need him anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's other things. You mm-hmm. know, it just got me closer to God. And now I have that total experience of it it's the most freeing thing in the world Mm. to have jesus comfortably there knowing he gives me hope knowing that i don't need all this other fluff to be hopeful and happy you know you can be happy but you're not hopeful Mm. you know happiness is only just a little bit hopefulness is forever Mm. and that's you know and when i got back when i realized all of that was just a complete dead end, and it doesn't make you happy or hopeful. Um, then I got back. Then I then I came back in the fold, and I said, "Man, hmm. it's not what it's not what is advertised. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jesus is what is advertised. You know, I always talk about the goalpost changing. With Jesus, you got one goalpost. In the world, you got a goalpost that goes all over the place." Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's uh, definitely not a good path. It's mm-hmm. not a healthy path, and it's not a comforting path, and it's uh, mentally it's not a good path. Mm-hmm. Jesus is a great path. And so, yeah, when I came back into the fold, and like I tell everybody, the key thing is stay engaged mm-hmm. because the devil will attack you all the time. Mm-hmm. But so you got to stay engaged. If you don't stay engaged, you leave openings. Don't leave any openings. Just stay engaged. You know, for a guy that said he didn't have a testimony, <laughs> that is a really powerful <laughs> testimony. Exactly. Well, you know, what, what I often invite people to think about as a pastor is people get really good at trying to convince everybody around them that they're happy and living life. But in the middle of the night— when no one else is there, isn't it true there's something deep in your heart that says, please tell me there's something more? Mm. And there is more, and that's what Jesus offers, and, and that's what we'd like people to know, that, that God offers this life both now and forever as a gift to those willing to receive. Absolutely. He, he definitely fills that hole in your heart. All right, well, Brian, hey, this wraps up season one, and I just got word we've been picked up for season two from the executives. Yeah, I'm really excited. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to take a break from Genesis, and we're going to do Life After Death, something that uh, everybody's interested in, and then we'll go back to uh, continue on our journey through Genesis. But really excited for the next season, and I think it'll be really helpful for people. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And join us, everybody. We have a good time in here, and we hope you learn something. I'm going to uh, go uh, redo my contract. (laughs) (laughs) Better renegotiate. 
That's all for today's episode of Talking Truth. Before we go, check out Brian's book, An Unshakable Foundation, a powerful resource for our time, covering the writings of Genesis to help you stay rooted in the truth of your Creator. Find the link in our descriptions. Brian and Dan will be back talking truth very soon, so be sure to subscribe. Get her done.